If you have your Bible, you can turn with me to the Gospel of John in chapter 6. Well, we've been working our way through the Gospel of John for a few months now. And when we were last here in chapter 6, a couple of weeks ago, we saw these people who had been fed, fed by these five small loaves and two fish, and they came looking for Jesus. And for the sake of refreshing our memory, let's look at verses 22 through 27, John chapter 6. We looked at these verses last time, but I want to just begin with these and refresh your memory and and for the sake of context, so we'll know where we're coming from here when we proceed. John chapter 6, verses 22 through 27, and follow along as I read from the English Standard Version. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. And verse 25 says, When they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, Truly, truly, I say to you, You are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him, God the Father has set his seal. Now, what follows in verses 28 and 29 is going to be our focus today. So let's look at those verses. Verse 28, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. What Jesus had challenged them with in verse 26 was the fact that these people had misplaced their affections. They were only concerned for their immediate needs. In this moment, they were thinking of their stomachs. They had been fed and well fed. They had been with Jesus on the day he fed the 5,000 men plus women and children from the five small loaves and two fish, and there were leftovers plenty of leftovers. Now they had come seeking Jesus because, as Jesus says in verse 26, they had eaten their fill. And then in verse 27, Jesus gave them a gentle rebuke and admonished them that they should instead be laboring for the food that endures to eternal life. So what is this food that endures to eternal life? We discussed this last time, a couple of weeks ago, that this food that endures to eternal life is salvation, being saved from your sins. It's forgiveness of sins and eternal life found only through faith in Jesus Christ. But now, in the next verses, 
we see these people have questions. And in the question, we can see they are misunderstanding Jesus. What they have is a faulty understanding, a faulty belief. And that's not an uncommon problem. Many people have faulty beliefs. What these people desperately needed to know is that there's only one thing worth pursuing with all of your life, and that's Jesus Christ and faith in Him, faith in Him alone. We all need to know that. But here are these people, they come seeking Jesus, and they were thinking that Jesus meant they must labor or, or work for something. They had a faulty belief. Look again at their question in verse 26, when it says, They said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? Now, that almost sounds like a question we hear elsewhere in Scripture We hear this in Acts 16 and verse 30 when the jailer said to Paul and Silas, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? That's a normal response uh, by those who begin to have their spiritual eyes opened by God. What must I do to be saved? But that's not the question these people were asking. That's why I say it almost sounds like that question. They, They weren't asking this question. These people who'd come looking for Jesus, still did not understand him. They also didn't understand themselves. They thought there was something they could do, something they could perform to measure up to God's standard. And do you understand what their problem was? They thought they were essentially okay. I'm all right. They thought they were basically good. I'm, I'm, I'm basically good, right? What could possibly be wrong with me? Don't, and that's a rhetorical question. Don't answer that about me. You might, you might think that, though. Unbelievers might think that. When you begin to share the gospel with them and they hear that they are sinners, you, you call them and say, wait, wait, what's wrong with me? What could possibly be wrong with the way that I live. I'm not that bad. I'm not as bad as my neighbor who who kicks his dog and yells at his kids. Or maybe kicks his kids and yells at his dog. I don't know. Does that sound familiar? It's an all-too-common belief today. I'm not that bad. God should be okay with me. He should be all right with me. He should let me into heaven. The trouble is that these people weren't looking at their own sinful hearts. They were looking at their own external actions, which they thought could be called good works. I've done good. I I don't live a life as bad as my neighbor's life, the way he lives his life. I'm basically good. Again, that's a common problem many unbelievers have. In fact... Take your Bible and go with me to Matthew 23 because it's there we discover that this is just what they were being taught. In fact, these people were being taught this by their religious leaders. This kind of outward, fleshly thinking is just what we see Jesus challenging in Matthew 23 
as he condemns the hypocrisy of their religious leaders. Matthew 23, beginning in verse 25. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, and in case you don't understand me, he calls them hypocrites. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate that the outside also may be clean. Verse 27, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. What was the problem of the scribes and Pharisees? Well, they also had faulty beliefs. They were religious leaders, but they were not believers in and followers of Jesus. They didn't follow the truth of the scriptures that they had. They were only seriously concerned with the externals, and that is what Jesus challenges them with. Jesus compared the way that they lived their lives to taking a filthy dish and wiping off the outside and ignoring the inside. You wouldn't do that, would you? You wouldn't do that. That's unclean. They looked good on the outside, but, but they contained nothing but foul, rotting bones. This is how Jesus compared their acts of good deeds, their acts of righteousness, so-called righteousness. This is how Jesus challenged the Pharisees, listen in Luke sixteen fifteen over their inclination to only care about the externals, when he says, and he said to them, you are those who justify yourselves before men, but God knows your hearts. For what is exalted among men is an abomination in the sight of God. That ought to get your attention. God knows your heart. God knows my heart. He knew the hearts of these religious leaders. And today it's no different. We have many religious leaders in our culture who do the opposite of what the Bible commands and teach people to do the opposite of what the Bible commands. We had better not be numbered among them because God knows our hearts. And he is a just and righteous judge. Remember that? We talked about it during the Lord's Supper this morning. Yes, God loves, but he also holds accountable those who refuse to believe in his son. He knows their hearts. There's another example which is helpful in Luke chapter 18. If you want to go there with me, Luke 18, we see the problem of these people who sought after Jesus with their faulty beliefs illustrated clearly here, Luke 18 beginning in verse 9. He also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Verse 10. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. 
the Pharisee standing by himself prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. And then we hear this in verse 13, but the tax collector standing far off would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And then Jesus says in verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other, for everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. You see, the Pharisee didn't humble himself before God. He didn't think he needed to. He thought he was approved by God because, why? Because he performed good works. He performed good deeds. He performed what he considered to be acts of obedience. But his heart was not submissive to God. This was the same trouble with these people back in John 6. You can go back to John 6 who asked Jesus, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What must we do? They didn't understand what Jesus was telling them, that they were to put their faith in Him. If they did, they would receive the gift of forgiveness of sins, the path to eternal life. They overvalued their own works and they undervalued faith in Jesus Christ. And their faulty beliefs included the fact that they thought they were pretty good. They thought they could do the works that God required of them. That was a faulty belief. They thought they could do whatever they were told. Hey, we can do that. It just tells us what we need to do to be doing the works of God, whatever those might be. But Jesus knew they couldn't live up to God's holy and righteous standard. Jesus knew they really couldn't live up to God's standard of righteousness. And neither can we. You realize we're in the same trouble? Neither can we. You see, it's not just these people in John 6. This is a worldwide problem. Well, now, everyone believes something. Even those who say they don't believe in God, they believe something. They believe they don't believe in God. But beliefs that aren't shaped by the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ are faulty and lead to destruction. And here's why. Here's why beliefs that aren't shaped by the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ are faulty. Before God saves us, we are all blind. We are all blinded by sin. The fact is, the, the sins of these people had caused spiritual blindness for them. Their sinful hearts had caused their, their hearts to be spiritually dead and blind. And, and that's the truth for all mankind, without exception. Their sin had caused faulty beliefs, and their faulty beliefs were due to their spiritual blindness. Listen to how Paul explains the problem in Romans chapter 3, verses 9 through 12. 
What then? Are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous. No, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. And then in verse 23, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So here's the problem. Without right beliefs, we'll all die in our sins. We'll all die and face God's eternal, righteous, and just judgment for our sins. It's what we deserve. So how must they, these people who are seeking out Jesus, how must they and how must we overcome faulty beliefs? I suggest this, here's how. Here's what anyone who would be saved from their sins must do. These people wanted to know what to do. Jesus gives the answer in verse 29. Look at it again. John chapter 6, verse 29. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. Belief. And that sounds so easy, doesn't it? But do you know how hard some people make that? You know how hard it is for some people to believe in Jesus? And do you know why it's hard? Because they are enslaved to sin. Their spiritual eyes are darkened. They are blinded by sin. And they need God to open their eyes. They need God to draw them to themselves, to himself. Open their eyes so that they will see clearly who Jesus is and believe in him. So the answer to their question, what must we do? And the answer isn't in doing, it is in believing. Specifically, believing in him whom the Father has sent. Who's that? That's Jesus Christ, God the Son. You see, forgiveness of sins and acceptance by God is only through belief in God the Son. Jesus Christ, the one, the one and only, whom God has sent. Forgiveness of sins and acceptance by God is found only in believing in Jesus Christ. There's nothing you can do to save yourself. There's nothing you can do to make yourself acceptable according to God's righteous standard because there are no people who are righteous and no one can be made righteous by performing good works. There's nothing you can do to be made right before God. You simply must believe in Jesus Christ. And we ought to praise God for that. Because if there was something we could do, we wouldn't likely do it. We couldn't likely do it. And that's what these people were facing. There is a way to be approved by God, and that's by believing in the one, Jesus Christ, whom he has sent, God the Son. You see, belief in, faith in God the Son 
is the only way to forgiveness of sins because Jesus Christ is the only acceptable sinless sacrifice. Remember God's just and righteous judgment? It, it comes on all without exception. It's waiting for all. And if you want to be spared God's just and righteous judgment and wrath, then God's solution is belief in His Son, Jesus Christ. His sinless sacrifice is the only acceptable sacrifice that could be offered for our sins. And God sent His Son to offer that sacrifice. And we ought to praise God. It's what we celebrated at the Lord's Supper this morning. In fact, the Old Testament foretells of the coming Christ. We find it in Isaiah 53, in verses 3 through 6. This is the one who would take the wrath of God on himself for our sins. Just listen to how this Old Testament prophecy describes this about Jesus Christ. Uh, Isaiah 53 and verse 3, He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and as one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and he was, and they esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. God's children ought to say, praise God for that prophetic Old Testament passage that points to our Savior. So here's where faulty beliefs must change. You must know that you can come to Christ only by faith. You, know, you want to know what to tell your neighbor, your coworker who needs Christ? They need to hear that. They need to hear the gospel. The good news is that Jesus came, but they also need to hear that they can only come to salvation from sins through faith in Jesus Christ. You can only come to Christ by faith. You you can't bring any of your good works. They're worthless. You bring nothing to Christ that earns God's approval. You don't need to. The old hymn says it this way, Nothing in my hands I bring, simply to the cross I cling. Hebrews 5.9 reminds us that Jesus Christ, being made perfect, He became the source of eternal salvation to all who obey Him. All who obey Him. What is it to obey Christ? It's, it's to believe in Him. It's belief in Jesus Christ alone that saves. First John 3 and verse 23 says, And this is His commandment, that we believe in the name of His Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another just as He has commanded us. That love one another part is important, but before that comes belief in Jesus Christ. It's impossible for us to properly love each other or love the people in this world toward Christ 
without first giving our love to the Lord by believing in Him. So be done with faulty beliefs. Be on guard against faulty beliefs. Trust in, believe in, and rest in Jesus Christ alone. You must believe in Jesus Christ and in Him alone to be saved. And then you must go on in Christ, continuing to feed your heart and mind and soul with the truth of God's Word. You desperately need the Word of God to help guard you against faulty beliefs. For unbelievers, you need to hear this message. You must believe in Jesus Christ and in Him alone to be saved. Stop trusting in whatever good works you think you can perform to be better than, than your neighbor, your coworker. And for believers in Jesus, for daily wisdom, which you need, for daily strength to obey God, which you need, you must continue to trust in Christ alone. Don't put your hope in, in your obedience. What Jesus finished on the cross, he finished for you for all time. You are accepted by God because the Lord Jesus Christ took the punishment for your sins. You don't earn God's approval because you're obedient. You glorify Him with your obedience. You point others to Christ with your obedience. And God gives you joy when you obey Him. For your life is hidden with Christ in God alone, and only through His work in you and by your yielding to His work in you are you able to grow and keep growing in Christ this side of heaven. Only by His work in you and by your submission to His work in you, your submission to His Word, are you able to glorify God this side of heaven with your life. It's just as we hear as we began the service this morning with these words of Scripture, Colossians 3, verses 1 through 3. Let me remind you of them again. If then you have been raised with Christ, if you're a believer, this is you, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And God's people, we ought to be able to say, praise God.